Tom Brady will never stop sucking Bill Belichick's teat. <laughs> Patriots both ways. Uh, where are we going next? <laughs> Week number eight in the National Football League, as we welcome you to this 400 and, let's see, one, two, three, 412th episode of Unscripted. And I do, before we get started, I do want to send some thanks out to a couple of people. I won't mention their names, but I do want to say thank you. You know who you are because you say you're listeners to Unscripted. Two people that contacted me this week and wanted to know more about the podcast business. And I said, well, how much am I getting paid? And I'll tell you about the podcast business. That was the end of the conversation. But uh, no, I, I'm making jokes. But uh, there was two individuals that contacted me this week and uh, wanted to know about uh, podcasts. And um, I said, there's a lot more work involved than you think that there is. Um, I just sit here and talk. But Chris has to push all the buttons and make all the things sound good and edit when I fuck things up and, and all this other stuff, but I am appreciative. And it was nice that two guys, uh, actually took the time. Um, and one was, one was a Stanford grad. So I'm actually talking to him next week. Um, but, um, thank you for that. Those kind words that they shared with us or with me and I'll share with Chris later, but, um, you know, they liked what we do. They liked that we have some fun with this. We're a bit on the sassy side, but we still get our points across. And if we didn't have the sassy side, then we probably wouldn't do this because then you could just do terrestrial radio and be bored out of your freaking mind. Because I did terrestrial radio and I got bored out of my freaking mind and got tired and actually got in trouble once for saying pissed off. I heard last week, I know I'm going off topic, but that's the beauty of unscripted. I heard Tony Rome. Tony Romo, whatever the hell his name is, from Burlington, Wisconsin, when he was doing Packers and uh, Raiders last Sunday with Jim Nance. Tony Rome actually said, Aaron Rodgers getting pissed off. 25 years ago, that had gotten him in trouble. Now it's just a Kleenex in life. But uh, thank you much to those two individuals that uh, contacted me and said we do nice things and wanted to learn more about the the podcast business. And I said, I don't know much. I said, call Chris. Um, episode 412. Week number eight in the National Football League started on Thursday with the Vikings. And you know what? I got to say, uh, we both picked the Vikings, yada, yada, yada. We both won. Um, but I got to tell you something. If Viking fans are getting all excited about their recent four-game winning streak, don't get too excited. Because A, you only won at home by 10 against a team that is in the battle for the second overall draft pick in next April's NFL draft. Number one is going to come down between Cincinnati and Miami. Number two comes down to the loser of said battle one, and it comes down to the loser versus Washington for pick number two. And I've got something about that, but we'll talk about that in later episodes of Unscripted. The whole 
The whole premise of this first episode is to get our picks out for week number eight in the NFL. We both picked the Vikings. We both won. Congratulations. The best thing about that game, besides it when it was over, that it was over, it was very nice that the Minnesota fans paid tribute to Adrian Peterson. I never have put the word classy and Viking fans in the same sentence, but I'm doing it right now because that was a very nice gesture by a lot of people in the state of Minnesota. So I give you props for that. Um, Let's start with our Sunday games. Got to stop saying um so much. Seattle at Atlanta. This is, I think, Gus Bradley's last game as coach of Atlanta Falcons. I'm going to say that right here and right now. When he got the kiss of death from owner Arthur Blank two weeks ago saying that, I like what our coaching staff is doing. We just got to play better. It's more to it than that. I just, there's, you hear about, what's the guy that Sanu, Sanu. Mohamed Sanu. Thank you. Got traded this week to New England. We know that Vic Beasley's on the trading block. I think pretty much anybody except the quarterback. Matt Ryan. Anybody on the Atlantic roster besides quarterback Matt Ryan might be on the trading block right about now. This is a team that I had picked to make the playoffs. I'm disgusted. This is a team that seemingly has given up. This is a team that, as Chris mentioned way back when, has 16 indoor games this year or some preposterous number like that, and they still look like crap. Um, This team, I think this is Gus Bradley's last game, and fittingly, it comes from it comes against Seattle, which he was the defensive coordinator when they won the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I have no line on this game, and I think when I now again when I got these numbers from Bovada on Wednesday, obviously the determining factor I'm assuming was the ankle injury to Matt Ryan, and I really don't care. It doesn't matter. It can be a minus eight or plus eight. A plan, it doesn't matter. Atlanta has quit. And I have the Seahawks both ways in this game. Chris probably has an update on a line for you. But when I I produce this or I try to produce this on Wednesdays after the final injury or first injury report gets submitted to the league, that that way there's some legitimacy in regard to the numbers. But at the Bovada site out of Vegas, this one was no line as of Wednesday. So I don't know what it is now. I don't care. I have the Seahawks both ways. Yeah, and I'm in the same boat. I've got the Seahawks both ways, no matter what the line is. Uh, a lot of the casinos had it off the books for most of the week, and then some had it at three and a half, which was disturbingly oh, really? dis- no. But hold on, yeah, yeah, uh, disturbingly low. But now I'm just looking at an update, and right now it's Seahawks minus seven, which is a little better, but it's still not high enough. The Atlanta Falcons this morning elevated a practice squad quarterback, which would indicate that yeah. Matt Ryan will be out. So Matt Schaub gets the start, a guy who looked like a decent starter for a while, but all of a sudden, a few years ago, just out of nowhere, it looked like he forgot how to play football, and he hasn't been good since. And really, the C- uh, the Atlanta Falcons have been even worse than people think. They should be winless if Nelson Aguilar knew how to catch a football, but he doesn't at all, and I've always said that. And uh, really, they they look better than they are because they're so good at garbage time. Matt Ryan has become the new Blake Bortles from a few years ago. And that's, that's honestly not even necessarily his fault. He has no, no O-line, and there's so many problems with that team. Half their team is out uh, still. If I was them, I wouldn't want to trade Matt Ryan, 
Julio's already getting a bit old, uh, really. So, I mean, you could pretty much trade him if you got something really good for him. I, I wouldn't want to trade Matt Ryan. I would not want to trade Austin Hooper, their tight end. He is next year, like in fantasy, he is going to be up in that upper echelon, I think. That was maybe the best pick I did all year. I picked Austin Hooper in all my leagues pretty much, and I got him late. And uh, I would not want to trade Grady Jarrett very badly either. But uh, other than that, that team is just ready for a fire sale, I think. So, yeah, I, I, I knew they weren't going to make the line high enough, no matter what. Seahawks both ways all day long. Um, let's go to Buffalo, the home of the new and improved Buffalo Bills. They'll take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Howie Roseman actually got some noise shoved his way this week. Really? Yeah, they let uh, some guy named Orlando Scandrick go this week. And, I didn't uh, even see that. He was beaking off about Howie Roseman, and he's lost the team, and he doesn't know what he's doing. And and uh, Philly, do, Philly does seem a little bit in a, in a bit of a mess. This was my preseason Super Bowl pick. So we've started off this, <laughs> this 412th episode with Atlanta, who I picked to make the playoffs, and I'm saying their coach is getting fired this week, and Philly is very, very far away from their week whatever win in Green Bay, and they're really far away from when they won the Super Bowl two years ago. Philadelphia comes into this game as one-and-a-half-point underdogs at Old Rich Stadium in Buffalo. I don't know what they call it now. Um, I like the way the Bills are playing. Um, there's a lot to like about the way the Bills are playing. Philadelphia is a mess. Weather probably will be a factor in Buffalo. And for a lot of different reasons, at, a, at the number of 1.5 in favor of the homestanding Bills, I have the local guys winning both ways. This is a really, really tough game. I immediately saw this last week when I was looking at this week's games. And man, that's a hard game. Boy, I mean, I didn't even know where to start with the analysis here. But I will say the Eagles are not as good as we've seen them in the past. And Buffalo's doing well. The defense did look a bit lost without Matt Milano when he went out with an injury. And he's a game-time decision. So that's an interesting one. And I love Josh Allen, but he needs to play better. Boy, this is a tough one. I'm going to take the Bills both ways, but I hadn't decided until right now. It's just such a tough one. But I love that Buffalo defense at home, and I hope Milano plays. Um, let's go to Chicago, where we're going next. You know, at the beginning of the season, when Chris and I did a bit of a uh, NFL preview, the score app, the score television network, whatever you want to call it, here in Canada, had given their belief as the strongest to the weakest divisions of the eight divisions of the National Football League, and they had rated the AFC West number one. And, oh, my God, did they miss there. I think I, I'm pretty shit. sure I said that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. I, but the reason I'm, I'm saying this is because the next game we're going to involves a team from the AFC worst. And you look at it, Los Angeles Chargers – there's something not right there. Um, Denver has been pretty pathetic all year. And, and a few things happen, and Denver could be winless this year. Let's, you know, call a spade a spade. Vic, we've talked about Vic Fangio and the problems that he's had and yada, yada, yada. We'll talk about the Kansas City Chiefs later, who are the class of the division. But they're going to miss six starters this week against the Green Bay Packers, of course, and plus defending NF MVP of the NFL, Patrick Mahomes. So who do you think I'm picking in that one? Um, there's a lot of problems in the AFC worst. Uh, I don't see how 
the even even if they had everything in properly in line and Flacco came out from Baltimore and looked like he knew what he was doing, the AFC West, even at the best of times, was not the best division in football. There's no question. You can call me biased, but look at the four teams in the NFC North and tell me that those aren't four better teams than anything that they're producing right now in the AFC worst. Los Angeles Chargers go uh, east. They'll take on the Bears in Chicago. The Bears have been a bit of a disappointment, but I think that we have to put that blame on the shoulders of two people. I don't know who their offensive coordinator is. I think the de facto offensive coordinator is Matt Nagy, the head coach, but Trubisky has been dreadful. And, you know, you think about it, and Chris reminds me of this brilliantly all the time, who was taken at 12 and 14 or whatever it was. 10 and 12. Patrick Mahomes, and then Deshaun Jackson. Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, excuse me. Um, They would look a lot better in Chicago right now than Trubisky would, no doubt about. Helen Keller could call that one. Um, Chargers at Bears. Chargers suck. Bears are underachieving. Bears are at at home as four-point favorites, and I'm taking the local guys both ways. You're taking the Bears both ways? Both ways. Okay, I'm going to take the Chargers both ways uh, with an upset here because Russell Okung is back for them, and the Bears not only has Trubisky been terrible, and by the way, this week, the NFL.com redid their 1-32 to quarterback rankings, oh, yeah. and they put Trubisky dead last at number 32. Well, I was going to say Trubisky comes in at 33. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Behind both Ryan Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. Oh, right. man. Right. But, I mean, he's so bad. I mean, he's... He throws off his back foot all the time, and he just misses guys by a mile, and it just—it's so bad. I'm not tooting my own horn here, folks. And and I and and Kyler Murray in Arizona has been astounding compared to what I thought it was going to be after only 13 collegiate starts. There is a difference, folks. I don't care what anybody says. There is a difference when you go from a Power Five school to the National Football League. Trubisky had that same number of 13 starts, mm-hmm. but he did it at an ACC school, at North Carolina. So they played two games a year against any notable competition. At that time, when Trubisky was still there, the two teams they would have played would have been obviously Clemson from the ACC, but Florida State as well. Florida State sucks the big one now. So really, Clemson is the only game noted because we know the Hurricanes of Miami suck now. The, the competition level in the ACC is not the same even compared to what Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield faced in a watered-down Big 12 conference. I don't care what anybody says. The Big 12, when they lost teams like Missouri, Nebraska, to other conferences, the Big 12 lost something. They still got Oklahoma and Texas, but that's really about it. Um, Trubisky's lack of experience and lack of big-time opposition in college is really showing through now as he tries. And the thing about it is we all got, not me, because I hate the bears. We all know that bears still suck, but he had a good second year, but now he's totally regressed here in year three. And he is the thing that's keeping the bears from being better than they potentially and what they rightfully should be. That's true. And I agree with that. However, the Bears are worse than people realize that they are in other areas. Their O-line is not as good as it's been. That doesn't really get any credit. Their O-line is, has been very good the last few years, and this year it's not looking as good. And then, I mean, they did really well at home to Kirk Cousins, 
who now, of course, <laughs> now of course, four games There's later. There's number 29 on Chris's list. Yeah, well, four games later, everyone forgets that game, and now Kirk Cousins is amazing, they think. So, so they were able to shut him down at home. But uh, other than that, no, they are not looking as good. I mean, that was embarrassing, frankly, that Khalil Mack in his revenge game in London yeah. didn't, was he just invisible? There's a lot of issues here, and I don't trust them at all. And I know the Chargers are overrated as well. I appreciate that. But Russell Okung back is going to help so much with uh, poor Philip Rivers, who just has had nothing to work with there. So I, I like the Chargers both ways in the upset. Sounds good. Next one we're going to, and this is going to be the last week. I'm going to say this right now. If they don't get their collective heads out of their backsides quickly, like within the next 72 hours, I won't be on the Detroit Lions bandwagon anymore. The Lions, um, there's some problems there too. Uh, Darius Slay came out this week. They are a little ticked off about they let some guy go this week. And again, here we have the inmates running the asylum, but you piss off Darius Slay in Detroit, that's not real wise, I'm thinking, if you're the Ford family and whoever the general manager is now of the Detroit Lions. Detroit showed me something a couple weeks ago in Green Bay. They probably should have won if they had taken advantage of some of the opportunities given to them in Green Bay. But then last week, they did not look good. They did not look good at home. Um, this week, they are at home again. They are a, let's see, a six-and-a-half-point favorite over the New York Giants. Um Remember a couple weeks ago, Giants fans, you made the quarterback change and Daniel Jones came in and looked like world of fire when they kicked the crap out of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And since then, he's looked like Eli's ugly little brother is what he's looked like. I'm sorry. And partially, probably, as Saquon Barkley was not in the lineup for a couple of weeks, who, who made a miraculous recovery from a high ankle sprain and, came and missed only two games. That's how dedicated that young man is. But I'm going to stay with the Detroit Lions one more week. Um, I think they've got a snap out of it. I like Stafford as a quarterback. Uh, they've got some. They've got some. Obviously, they've got some weapons. But I think they've got to really. They've got to kick the crap out of somebody at Ford Field, and this is their opportunity to do it. And uh, I think uh, I'm going with the Lions again. The number is six and a half. The homestanding Lions are favored by six and a half against the G-Men. But I'm going Detroit both ways. I'll take Detroit outright and the Giants plus the points. I think the Giants are going to do fairly well here. I feel bad for the Lions a bit, and I never thought I'd say that because they could have been 5-0 and so easily. And I also saw something interesting this week about that game. So there's a little bit of suspicion there because you know Trey Flowers had those two suspicious hands-to-the-face penalties. I know you agreed with one of them. You might not have agreed with the other one, but a lot of people thought there were two bad hands-to-the-face calls against him that really, you know, he doesn't get those, and they have a much better chance of winning. So at the last second, someone placed a $100,000 bet on uh, Green Bay money line, not the spread, but to win, right? And the referee in the game was Cleet Blakeman. There have been a number of other times in Cleet Blakeman games the last while where at the last second, a $100,000 or more bet comes in. No. It, between, like, usually between $100,000 and $200,000 like, at the last second in a Cleet Blakeman game. So our buddy Walt, actually on his site, has no. been saying for years that he believes that Cleet Blakeman is a corrupt official. He's on the take. Yeah, that's what he believes. He believes he's a Tim Donahue. Wow. And, and uh, this evidence would seem to back up wow. our buddy Walter pretty 
pretty well. It's, it could just be a coincidence, and we're not, we don't know anything here, but it's interesting that Walt has said that, and he's very dialed in with this stuff, and uh, how that... Uh, how that drive kept going and the Packers got that last second field goal. So just an interesting side note there. I'm always interested in that. I want to know where Cleet, Cleet, what is his name? Cleet Blakeman. Yeah, I want to know where he, he was originally from. If he's from Wisconsin, then but we've I, got him dead to rights. I don't think they're all Packer games, though. I think it's just... No, I get that. But yeah. I mean, it just it would be coincidental for me, especially in that game, if what Walter believes is true... And then all of a sudden we find out, oh, here he hails from Wisconsin. Then we got a well, problem. We'll, then we we'll, got a problem. We'll find out. But yeah, I mean, uh, the Lions are, are are pretty banged up right now, and Darius Slay being out is is really bad. So yeah, that's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to have a one one way and one the other. Sounds good. Um, two troubling teams is where I'm going to headline this next one. Um, Tampa Bay at Tennessee, the Ryan Tannehill <laughs> tenure. He was okay, I guess, last week. Couldn't have done any better than Marcus, or many worse than Marcus Mariota has been lately. Uh, Tennessee comes in at two and a half point favorites. I really don't do the analysis and all the all the study that Chris does. I do it on gut feel, and right now my gut's telling me to take the Titans straight up and the Bucks against the spread. This is another really tough game. I'm going to take the Titans both ways because that's where the sharp money is, and right. I don't really know what to make of this game. And Although I, I kind of almost get the feeling. It's like sometimes I saw someone this week say that Jameis Winston, like right when you – he always lets you down. Like mm-hmm. you think he's going to do bad and he does well, and then you think he's going to do well and he does badly. So, uh, yeah, I think I'll just go with the Titans both ways here. And uh, I looked it up, and Cleet Blakeman – is from Blair, Nebraska, and he is a former backup quarterback for the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Okay, well, we don't have to worry about that then. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's go to um, Denver at Indianapolis is where we're going, Lucas Oil Stadium in downtown Indianapolis. Indianapolis comes in as six-point favorites. This was the easiest game of the week for me. Really? Yep. Denver sucks. They've rolled over already on first-year head coach Vic Fangio. There's problems up the gazoo there. The tooth doesn't know what he's doing. Indianapolis, I think finally, I really feel the last couple games, Brissett has played like he's much more comfortable Mm -hmm. as the number one guy for the Indianapolis Colts. I think his numbers would portray that. And for those reasons, plus it's indoors in Indy, I'm taking the Colts both ways. Yeah, I am too. I, I You have to imagine that the Broncos aren't going to be that bad and Joe Flacco won't be that bad uh, this week or every week because, yeah, I mean, they have nowhere to go but up after that. That was <laughs> that was maybe the most, shall we say, uninspired performance yeah. I've ever seen. I mean, I mean, Jay Cutler must have watched that let, game and thought, hey, man, don't you, have, don't you care about anything? Let me ask you something. Yeah. If, if, if Fangio, with that performance last week by his football team, if Fangio, let's say, had been in year five, six, or seven, somewhat like kind of what Gus Bradley is in numbers-wise in Atlanta, with that kind of performance and under the scrutiny that they must be in in Denver because Denver's got a very passionate fan base that aren't real happy right now, if Fangio isn't in year one, if Fangio's in year five or six, after that performance last week, does he get canned? I... I Yes, if he gets any of the blame at all. I mean, maybe maybe nobody could uh, have motivated Flacco there because he just doesn't care. Although it's interesting that Fangio always seems to be on teams with Jay Cutler or uh, yeah. or Joe Flacco. Or, but, I mean, these guys are known as guys who don't really care, I think, before they meet Vic Fangio. But, 
I, I'd like to think that he would and he should, but geez, I don't think the team cares anymore. They traded Emmanuel Sanders now yep. and whatever. I, I like the Colts too. Malik Hooker is back. Darius Leonard came back last week. They're getting healthy. Uh, their O-line's always healthy and it's amazing. Yeah, I like the Colts a lot too. We're going back to London for our next game. Um, the Zach Taylor Bowl, that's what we'll call it. Hmm. Cincinnati uh, at Los Angeles. It's it's a Rams home game, and they wouldn't... I can tell you this right now, fans, folks, whatever. If the Rams were in their new palace out in Hollywood Park, there's no way they give up a home game to travel how many yeah. time zones to go play the Cincinnati Bengals. Let me just say this. They're giving this game up at this at this opportune time because, you know, it's one less game they have to play in the Coliseum. But having said all that, this game could be in Cincinnati, Los Angeles, or Mars, for all I care. Cincinnati hasn't quit. In fairness, I think a couple other teams have quit yeah. or looking like they quit more than the Cincinnati Bengals. I think Cincinnati gives a wholehearted effort. The problem is their talent level their, their their cupboards are bare. There's just not much there. There really isn't. Um, heard something the other day that these guys that come out with these forecasts that they believe that it's time for Andy Dalton to be moved and let him go be a backup somewhere else. And, you know, because remember, and we'll talk about this later, the trade deadline in the National Football League is Tuesday, end of business on Tuesday. But uh, Cincinnati's going nowhere. I think the Rams, you know what? I think the Rams got their I think the Rams got their groove back a little bit last week. They they got I think Marcus Peters was a problem in the locker room. They got rid of him. They replaced him with Jalen uh, Jalen Ramsey, which they gave up a big price for, but he is the preeminent corner in the National Football League. He's going to make a huge difference. Um I they're going to get Shampoo Boy back here in about a week I heard, week 10 days. So probably not this week obviously, but maybe next week from the broken jaw. Um, things are looking up in LA. There's still going to be, there's still a team to be reckoned with at the end of the year. The Rams are still going to make the playoffs. I don't care what anybody says. Having said all this, the number is huge. 13.5 for the Rams over in London. I don't care. I'm taking the Rams both ways. Yeah. So am I, I feel bad for Zach Taylor. He seems like a good guy. And I think you're right. He has absolutely, unlike some of these other teams, he has had them motivated and they have tried hard. They should have beat Seattle week one. And I feel bad for them. But yes, number one, they have no talent. And number two, a little bit that they do have is almost all injured right now. They're just a disaster. I feel bad for the guy. But yeah, Rams both ways. Next game is uh, going to be interesting to me because um, I would like to see what head coach Sean Payton of the New Orleans Saints is going to do. He has said it's going to be a game time decision between Teddy Bridgewater or Drew Brees oh, to be his starter. You got update. As of literally like two minutes ago, uh, Drew Brees is expected to make his return. Well, let's be honest. Come it on, didn't guys. really matter, we, but it, I we all, that was but, still fun to say. No, no question. But Sean Payton may be the coach of the New Orleans Saints, and rightfully so, but the guy running the New Orleans Saints is Drew Brees. Mm -hmm. And if Drew Brees says, my thumb is good enough to play, Drew Brees is going to play. Um, I've got a comment in, in those same kind of regards when we get down to the Sunday night game and in regard to Andy Reid. He's letting Patrick Mahomes throw passes this week, and all they're trying to do is just throw a smoke screen and making Green Bay just get ready for two different quarterbacks, and I think this is the same scenario here. Um, I think we all knew that if Drew Brees said last week that he expects to play in week number eight against Arizona, 
I think it's a pretty, pretty astute bet that Drew Brees is going to play in week eight against the Arizona Cardinals. That's exactly what he's going to do. Uh, when I got this line, New Orleans was 10 point favorites. And now that my friend has just told me that it is confirmed that Drew Brees is going to play, I have no problems at home with the New Orleans Saints covering and winning both ways against the Arizona Cardinals. Oh yeah, this is a great pick here. I'm 100% on board with that. There's so many factors here, not just Breeze. I'd still love the the Saints if they were with Teddy. They're undefeated. They were like 5-0 and since Breeze left. They could yeah. never have expected that, even with the highest paid backup in the league. They've got a great defense, and what if you look at who the Cardinals have beaten lately, it's been all teams that don't have a defense even remotely resembling the New Orleans Saints. So this is going to be a disaster for them. And I also love betting on great teams going into a bye, mm. right? I mean, and Drew Brees, even if you know his hand is 99%, not 100, he's going to have two more weeks to rest again. And so he, I'm sure he wants to get some uh, game time in before he gets too rusty. Yeah, Saints both ways love this pick for sure. We're going to uh, North Florida is where we're going next. The New York Jets and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Jags, um, they've got to be going to to uh, London here pretty soon. They seem to make that a yearly thing. Um, Jacksonville at their home place, they're six-point favorites. I was appalled at the performance last week. I know it was the New England Patriots. I get it. But, you know... For the six or seven remaining Jets fans out there, you had a little bit of hope after what they did to the Dallas Cowboys. And that should really show how far the Dallas Cowboys are from being legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Mm -hmm. Go screw yourself. Mm -hmm. I mean, come on. You guys got your lunch served to you by the New York Jets with a guy coming off of mononucleosis. (laughs) It isn't like he had a cold or something. He had mono. Um, The Jets are still the Jets. I mean, we can put every nice spin on it, and we're trying. We're trying. Chris and I, between the New York Jets and Buffalo, we're trying to get some competition for the New England Patriots in the AFC East, and the New England Patriots just keep rolling right along. Um, Jacksonville, you know what? This was a tough game for me because I think both of them are kind of underachieving a little bit. Um, I think we're closer. I heard, actually, that we're probably a game or two from Nick Foles coming back uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars after his week one uh, breaking of his collarbone. I really don't know that much. All I know is my gut is telling me to take the Jacksonville Jaguars at home both ways. I'm going to take Jacksonville outright Jets plus the points. And how many points did you have there? Six. Six? Yeah, Yeah, I like that at six, especially then. I was expecting they wouldn't get quite that many. But I think Darnold has no choice but to be better. He's been okay when he's played this year, except for against Belichick, what second-year quarterback against Bill Belichick with extra time to prepare is going to do well? None of them, and we're going to see that again this week with Baker Mayfield going into uh, New England there. It's it's going to be bad. I mean, Bill Belichick just schemes uh, the shit out of these guys and just confuses these rookies and second-year guys. It's bad, and uh, it's going to be another ass-kicking, I think, in that game. Uh, but in this one, I think that he'll bounce back a little bit the Jags have to get used to life without Jalen Ramsey. I do feel bad about Mosley. They're saying now maybe it wasn't a groin all this time. It's not getting better, really. They're going to oh, have all no. these extra tests. He could be on the IR right that away. That could be that sports hernia thing, too. Maybe. I don't I don't know what it is, but they, they're going to look deeper. They assumed it was a groin, just really slow healing, but it might be something else. So poor C.J. Mosley. I'd feel a lot better if he was playing. But no, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Jets with the points, though. Sounds good. Um... 
Carolina at San Francisco. A lot of people believe this could be the game of the week, considering that the way the Carolina Panthers have kind of reinvented themselves under Kyle Allen. Uh, be interesting to see what happens. I think, though, that uh, the San Francisco 49ers defense has displaced or replaced. I don't know what the word would be, but I think the number one defense in the NFL right now happens to reside in San Francisco. I think they've overtaken the Bears as the number one defense in the National Football League. That front seven for the for the 49ers is awesome. And um, they're playing well. Garoppolo seems to be getting co- more comfortable week by week in uh, Shanahan's offense out there. The number is, is five and a half. And while I'll agree that I think that Christian McCaffrey is one of the most exciting players in the league. I don't think he can do it by himself against this defense. If the game was in Carolina, there might be a little bit more leeway in my mind there, but this is out in the Bay, and I really like the way the 49ers are playing. I can't wait to see what when the Packers and the 49ers meet up, meet up here in a couple of weeks. That should be really interesting. Um, I, I just think right now that if you aren't paying attention to the San Francisco 49ers, Tune it up, tune it in, guys. Tune up, get tuned up, whatever. But San Francisco's for real, a real legitimate front office, a real legitimate coaching staff, and uh, all that 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 painstakingly effort, work, and all the great guys that he's brought on. Meaning of John Lynch, the general manager of the 49ers. I'm telling you, man, 49ers to me look as good as they've had in a long, long time. And I'm taking them both ways this week at home against the Panthers. And I don't know if I said the number, but the number is five and a hook for the 49ers. This is a hard one. I knew I was taking Carolina with a point, and I've just decided now I'm going to take Carolina both ways. I don't really disagree with anything you said. I like the Niners, too. I don't think they're built to go undefeated. And I uh, I just... I love McCaffrey. Something's got to give, either undefeated oh, sure. Kyle Allen or undefeated San Fran. Correct. I love McCaffrey so much, and uh, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna ride on them to do it. I, I feel like I, I've just been waiting for San Fran to have a letdown one of these weeks. They're missing both tackles. I think they're still missing use check. Uh, they're just you know the uh, Garoppolo's looked okay, but not shaky. You know, just not. He's looked a little shaky, and uh, I'm I'm just gonna go out on a limb and I'm gonna take the Panthers. Sounds good. Uh, next game, and this game will be at um, Gillette Stadium in Foxborough, Massachusetts. Um, Cleveland at New England. Now, a little sidebar here, and if I was taking... Now, Chris and I like to do upset of the week, but for this game and this game only because of the significance, and I'll get to that in a minute, this would be my lock of the week. It's Bill Belichick against Cleveland. It's Bill Belichick against uh, my little dirt monkey from uh, Oklahoma. Uh, what's his name again? Oh, Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, yeah. And if, if, I know, it sounds so preposterous. When New England wins this game on Sunday afternoon, it will be the 300th coaching win in the unbelievable great coaching career of Bill Belichick. Um, all of that... Now, this is, I, get a, I get a kick out of this, and we're going to talk about this in later episodes of Unscripted this week. But Belichick, if they win, he, that's his 300th win. That'll be his, uh, what would it be, uh, 269th regular season win, and, 30, and, and 31 of those are playoff wins. And this is sad to me. This is really, this sucks to me. The National Football League does not include 
playoff wins for coaches. They just, they recognize just regular season. That's bullshit. They prep harder and work harder for a playoff win than they do a regular season win, I would think. I mean, because you lose in a playoff, your season's done. Um, But regardless, this will be, if they win, this will be Belichick's 269th regular season win. And combined with his 31 playoff wins, that would put him at the magic number of 300. And there are only two guys in the National Football League that have more than wins now than Belichick. Coach Don Shula has 347 career wins as a coach for the Baltimore Colts and the Miami Dolphins and Papa Bear. Uh, George Hallis has 324 career wins, and he coached like 93 years. I'm being facetious here, but he was the first Bears coach, and he was coaching the Bears all the way until the 70s. But he was second on the list with 324 wins. So great congratulations for Coach Belichick. And with all that other stuff going on, I don't think there's a snowball's chance in Phoenix that Cleveland even has a chance in this game. The number is 13.5 for the homestanding Patriots. And because of everything, and then, of course, there's this little there's this little hidden secret going around. Tom Brady put his house up for sale. Tom Brady is potentially going somewhere else next year. He's talking about, well, we'll talk about it at the end of the year. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on in Boston, but all I know for this week, Belichick gets number 300 at the expense of the Cleveland Browns. Tom Brady will never stop sucking Bill Belichick's teat. <laughs> Patriots both ways. Uh, where are we going next? We're going to Houston. The Oakland Raiders, this is the last game of that myriad, seemingly two-month road trip, the two-month odyssey that the Raiders have been on. Their little road trip ends on Sunday in Houston. The homestanding uh, Texans are six-and-a-half-point favorites. This is my upset of the week, folks. I learned something last week from watching the Oakland Raiders and the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers put up statistically the best game that he has put up in his prolific 13-year career in Green Bay. He had a perfect 158.3 passer rating, whatever the hell that means. All I know is that he threw five touchdowns, he ran for a sixth. The Packers put up 42 points, and you know what? The game wasn't over, really. The game was still in question midway through the fourth quarter. And the reason is, is because Gruden has got these guys playing smash-mouth football. They've got a big-time running back in that Jacobs kid. Uh, as long as Derek Carr minimizes mistakes, the Raiders are going to be okay, folks. I'm telling you right now, they get a few more pieces next year when they call Las Vegas home. The Raiders are going to be the best team in the AFC West maybe in 2021 by the latest. The Raiders are going to be okay. Gruden's got them playing in that chucky mental state of mind. He's got them playing psycho ball. And you know what? They're competitive. They gave Green Bay a hell of a game last week. The score may not be indicative, but again, until Derek Carr throws that second interception to Kevin King in the end zone, the game was still in question. The outcome was still in question. Chucky's guys don't quit. Chucky just looks like a psycho on the on the sidelines, but you know what? He can coach his ass off, and his, his coaching counterpart this week is butt chin, and that should be worth some points, and that's why... The number is six and a half again for the Texans, but I'm going this as my upset of the week. Oakland both ways. 
Well, I'm going to take the Texans both ways, even though I hate butt chin. But the Texans have done well, and Deshaun Watson has done well against teams that don't have a great pass rush. So I like that. And I also like the Gary and Conley trade. The Raiders traded Gary and Conley to the Texans this week. Yep. And so uh, I would love to see a replay of whatever that was, 03 or something. And Walt brought this up too to this week as well. I think it was Lawyer Malloy got traded from the, went from the Patriots to the Bills and then they played week one and the Patriots didn't change their signs. Oh. And he told the whole coaching staff all their stuff. And then the Bills beat the Patriots like 33 nothing or something right, and right. just obliterated them. Or if you remember uh, in 2018 week one when the Jets went into uh, Detroit and they oh, had yeah. done study and they had figured out all of their signs and audibles. Yep. And you had them, uh, all the, the defenders were calling out everything they're doing. And then the Jets just obliterated them 48-17. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if this will be a, a situation like this, but either that happens again or they change all their signs and have to get used to all that. Yeah. Right. So either way, it's going to, it could kind of discombobulate them a bit. So I'm going to take the Texans both ways. Sounds good. We, you and I, probably will have some separation after this week. I mean, it seems like we're making some, and that's good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. When NBC wanted this Week Eight NFL game, the Sunday night game, they were envisioning in their minds, my belief, obviously, mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes, the uh, current NFL MVP against a former NFL MVP problem being right now is that Kansas City, as I mentioned earlier, will be without six of their preferred starters, uh, including two huge components of their defensive line, Frank uh, Clark. Thank you. Frank Clark and a defensive tackle. Chris Jones. Jesus, you are awesome. Just <laughs> just keep going. Just, yeah, keep, yeah, just yeah. keep, you know, sitting there and telling me this shit because I forget their names. But anyway, those two guys are, are going to be obviously greatly missed this week. And I got to say something here. It isn't just because I'm a homer and I pee green and, and gold, but um, I have to give credit. I have been hard on Brian Belaga for most of his career in Green Bay because I think he's a, he's a bit soft and he misses a lot of games due to injury. But you know what? I've got to give proper credit to Matt LaFleur here. He has done an unbelievably good job of resting him, keeping him as fresh as possible, giving him Tuesday or excuse me Wednesday practices off, just to keep him fresh. And you know, you know who the number one rated right tackle in the NFL is right now? Brian Balaga. Brian Balaga wow. of the Green Bay Packers. And it's gotten to a point now that Gutekunst has a decision to make here. Do you give? Because Balaga just turned 30. He's been originally with Green Bay. He was their number one draft pick out of the University of Iowa in 2010, their Super Bowl year. He's been with the Packers his whole career. Gutekunst now has a, a dilemma on his hands. At the beginning of the year, I would have thought you people would have said, okay, Balaga plays out his contract and he moves on. But now, the way that they're handling him, the way that they're watching his reps, the way that they're giving him the veterans rest and all this other stuff, they're really handling it well. And the dividend has come back a thousand percent because he is the number one rated by snaps played. He is not allowed a sack. He has not had a penalty called against Brian Balaga this whole season. And the biggest factor is, and the biggest benefactor is, is Aaron Rodgers, obviously. But the biggest thing is, is that the Packers had those great teams and the great rushers that they had. They faced the Chicago rush. They faced the Minnesota rush. They faced the Denver rush early in the season. And our two tackles stood up mano a mano with all those guys and did very, very well. Um, 
this week, a depleted Kansas City team. Arrowhead is an unbelievably difficult place to play, especially for the visiting team. These are the two teams that, along with the Pittsburgh Steelers, they travel very, very well. Kansas City's fans travel well. We know Green Bay's fans travel well. I just wish we could have seen, I really do, I really wish we could have seen Rodgers, Mahomes, because they won't see each other again for four years. Next time they play will be four years in Lambeau Field. That puts Rodgers at 39. Will he be around? I don't know. Um, we could see them against each other this year in the Super Bowl. Well, we could. We really could, and that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, I would really like to see that. Even though I picked Philadelphia, I said I would love to see a rematch of Super Bowl One. Kansas City, Green Bay. Um, the number is Green Bay at four and a hook, 4.5, four and a half. I have the Packers winning straight up, but even with all the injuries and even with Matt Moore as the starting quarterback, I have the Chiefs staying within four and a hook. Wow, really? And I've seen some people making that pick, and I just can't get there with the guys well, out that we said. Let me just say this. I have been around, well, my birthday is next Friday. I'll be 55. I have seen almost every Packers-Chiefs game, and the Packers have never done well, never done well in Kansas City. They've gone in in 2014, the last time or something like that, 2000, whatever, 2011, whatever it was, eight years ago, so 2011, they were 11-0 going into Kansas City. Ended up that year being 15-1. and one. One. I remember that. The only loss was in Kansas City. That game, they lost their starting right tackle, Derek Sherrod, to a broken leg, never played again. There's something about Kansas City, and I think it's, it's, it's a bad omen because we kicked the living shit out of them in Super Bowl I. We've been paying for it ever since. There's something about, there's a, a, a cloud that, that just envelops Green Bay when they go to Kansas City because realistically, they are very similar. Think about it. They're not in a big-time metropolitan market. They're smaller franchises with rabid fan bases, very passionate fan bases. Kansas City has nothing else to cheer for except the Royals. Green Bay has nothing besides the Packers to choose for, choose from. There are there are pieces like Andy Reid has a connection with Green Bay. His his NFL coaching career started in Green Bay. He's now taken everything that he's accumulated over those years and incorporated it in Kansas City. Um, I just wish that Kansas City had some of their healthy players back, then we would really get a good measuring stick as to where this 6-1 and one Packers team is. I think Green Bay has to win this game for the simple fact that there are so many injuries on Kansas City. If they don't take advantage of it, it's, it's got to be looked at as a lost opportunity. But I'm telling you, folks, I've watched a lot of Kansas City-Green Bay football over the years. Green Bay dominates when Kansas City comes to Green Bay. And alternatively, when Green Bay goes to Kansas City, for some reason, I don't know, they get bad barbecue or something in Kansas City, but for some reason, Green Bay always plays like shit in Kansas City. And that's why, it's just right here why I have Kansas, or Kansas City staying within four and a hook. Well, our own Mike Jansen is seeing ghosts like Sam Darnold, so I hope you don't have mono. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to take the Packers both ways. I am undeterred. They're still my Super Bowl pick. They have been the whole time. And the yeah, Kansas City's missing way too many guys. They're missing Kendall Fuller, their excellent slot corner, who they stole from Washington in the Alex Smith trade. And I think they're missing an O-lineman, too. And yeah, they Mahomes. are. They're missing uh, their left tackle, Fisher. 
Yes, the uh, missing fish for this week. They're just right. they're just beat up. It's just ridiculous. So I, look, I I understand that Andy Reid has been known to coach up guys like AJ Feely in that uh, in emergency starts and make them play pretty well, and he's great. Uh, but no, Packers both ways. Sorry. I want to see what Zadarius and Preston Smith can do against a backup left tackle and an underachieving right tackle. I think that's going to be. I think Matt Moore is a credible backup quarterback. Sure. He's going to make some plays. Sure. The game is going to be won in the trenches, just like every NFL game is. And if Zadarius and Preston Smith can get off against a makeshift, beat-up Kansas City line, the Packers should win this football game. Sure. Uh, Monday night game, it's the uh, Minka Fitzpatrick Bowl, Miami at Pittsburgh. Two teams that will be in, if there was a lottery in the NFL, they would be in it. Um uh, Miami is going for 0-16. Pittsburgh is trying to find an identity. They do get Mason Rudolph back, and that'll be enough to be the difference in the game. But here's my little caveat on this. Ryan Fitzpatrick won for me last week. I think I was probably one of the few people in the English-speaking world that actually thought the Miami Dolphins, and they tried to fuck it up at the end, but I really thought with Ryan Fitzpatrick instead of Chris's favorite whipping boy, Josh Rosen, I thought that Miami would stay within the 17 points and damned if they didn't. And so with that same reasoning this week, um, I'm going Steelers straight up, but I'm taking the Dolphins with Ryan Fitzpatrick at, behind the center. I'm taking the Dolphins to stay within 14 and a half. Well, the DVOA stats say this should be a 16 and a half point margin. And if you have a computer set the spread it comes up with minus 18 so i'm going to say that the spread isn't high enough and i'm going to take the steelers at home under the bright lights both ways all right before we get out of here on this 412th episode two teams that are in the bye this week baltimore and dallas and uh we've got some more stuff to talk about later with the national football league but that'll put a wrap on our 412th episode of unscripted we Go do this once a week during the NFL season and dedicate one episode to our that specific week's NFL picks. And so this concludes our picks for week number eight in the National Football League. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.